0: Happy New Year and welcome back to Touching Base, the new weekly podcast series from Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News, or GEN. I'm Phelan, Senior Editor of GEN Biotechnology, GEN's sister peer review, journal publishing, original research, and perspectives across the biotech field. Joining me from GEN's editorial team this week is Jonathan Grinstein, Juliana Lemire, Alex Filippidis, and Uduak Thomas. For new listeners to our growing podcast, Touching Base is here to discuss the stories and events of the week in biotech. In addition to hearing from our Gen editorial team, we'll also interview special guests to dig deeper into some key stories. Our goal is to give you a feel for the science and moving market every week. This week, we bring you Udoac's exclusive interview with Alex Aravanis, co-founder and CEO of the new epigenetic engineering company, Moonwalk Bioscience, and former CTO of Illumina make sure to stay tuned for a deep dive into Moonwalk. But first, we're going to start with some business news. Opening the new year, Novartis and Voyager Therapeutics announced an up to $1.3 billion expansion of new NeuroGene Therapy collaboration. Alex, you covered this story. Tell us about this collaboration.
1: Sure. Thanks, Faye. And no sooner did the new year start uh, on Monday than the following day. Novartis and Voyager said they're expanding what's been a two year old partnership in capsid based gene therapy. The companies agreed to develop gene therapies for Huntington's disease and spinal muscular atrophy based on Voyager's AAV uh, capsid discovery platform called TRACER, which stands for Tropism Redirection of AAV by Cell Type Specific Expression of RNA. And this expansion could add as much as $1.3 billion to the total value of the collaboration. The rest of the value coming from Novartis committing last year to paying Voyager up to $600 million in milestones, plus royalties, uh, uh, when it exercised options to license uh, a pair of uh, novel tracer-generated capsids for undisclosed neurological disease targets, and return Novartis had paid Voyager twenty-five million uh, upfront. At that time, uh, Novartis scaled back a commitment, which back in twenty twenty-two, when this whole collaboration was announced, had been thought to be one point five billion dollars uh, and three undisclosed uh, targets. Now, Novartis is the biggest name partner of several larger biopharmas with which Voyager has collaborations. The others include Alexion, or as it's called, Alexion-AstraZeneca rare disease, Sangamo, and Neurocrine Biosciences. Investors signaled they like the deal. Voyager shares rose 7% Tuesday on the day the deal was announced, and as of the recording day, Wednesday, the shares had shot up 18% in early trading. Novartis shares have been flat, rising 3 cents on Tuesday and uh, a little bit more 2% uh, on Wednesday.
0: Expanding on business news, the industry knows that January marks the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Francisco, California, and this year being held next week from January 8th to 11th. Alex and Jonathan, you both will be there on the ground. What are you looking forward to at this year's JPM?
1: Okay, actually, uh, uh, two or three things uh, come come to mind, Faye. The first thing is... Uh... I can't wait to hear any scuttlebutt if it floats about where JPM will be held in 2025, because this is the last year JP Morgan is committed to holding the conference in San Francisco. After complaints within the industry about hotel price gouging, you know, a room downtown can cost more than a thousand bucks a night, as well as downtown San Francisco's declining quality of life, which is reflected in the shutdown of Nordstrom's downtown department store in August after more than 30 years in business so that's going to be the first thing the second as for biotech talk the first observation i've been reading and hearing from whether it's analysts market watchers other journalists people on twitter uh is that biopharma companies are expected to announce more mergers and acquisitions (M&A) for short uh, during jp morgan we saw a wave of, of uh, M&A in the closing days of 2023 and in fact just three just in the last three months of, of, of 23, Bristol Myers Squibb being especially busy in acquiring three companies Raise Bio, which is radio radiopharmaceutical uh, drug developer for f- uh, 4.1 billion, Karuna, the neuro drug developer, for 14 billion, and Marathi Therapeutics and Oncology drug developer for up to 5.8 billion. That's 4.8 billion plus another billion uh, tied to uh, meeting. Uh, FDA acceptance of a new drug application uh, for a non small cell lung cancer candidate. Uh, the second thing I'd be interested in seeing is, uh, oh, speaking of which, uh, on, on MA, uh, some interesting statistics that were uh, published in recent days from the owner of the London Stock Exchange, LSEG. Uh, they were Uh, Last year, 1,078 biotech deals worth $122 billion compared with a slightly higher number 1,088 deals, but much lower value at $84 billion. Uh, So that's up 45% in value. And uh, on the pharma side, Fewer deals uh, than 2022, 679 versus 778, but the value, again, up 38% to $135.5 billion uh, last year. So I, I think a factor in that uh, is an increase in FDA uh, approvals, 55 of them uh, last year, up 50% from 37 uh, in, in 2022. What interested me, and uh, I, I saw the stats published uh, online, is that the number of biologics is slowly but surely rising. Uh, the number of BLA approvals, uh, inched up from 10 in 2019 to 17 last year. That 17 ties a record of 2018 on a year that saw 59 uh, drugs being approved. Also, J.P. Morgan itself, uh, in its... Uh, Uh, They published an article online uh, about what to look for this coming year in in, in biopharma. And one thing they mentioned is the possibility of a flurry of collaboration deals tied to developers of weight loss drugs, given the boom in sales for uh, treatments like Wegovi and Ozempic uh, by Novo Nordisk, and the expectation that Lilly will have its own new blockbuster, uh, Zepbound, which is actually terzepatide, now sold as Monjaro for diabetes, but with an obesity uh, label uh, this time around and that got approved in november according to jp morgan more than a hundred weight loss uh, drugs are being developed and the projection is this market's going to reach a hundred billion dollars plus by the year 2030 even if the uh, number of people uh, taking this in obesity remains in the single digits of the potential uh, population. So uh, they're projecting, uh, and they list by name, which surprised me, uh, Pfizer, BMS, uh, AstraZeneca, Glaxo, Sanofi, Takeda. Uh, among companies that they expect are going to buy their way into weight loss drugs one way or other. However, there's some questions for that field. Who's going to pay for these new drugs? How much will insurers uh, be willing to uh, reimburse for those? And also, do the GLPs, which are the basis of a lot of these new drugs, do they reduce uh, comorbidity conditions? So, uh, well, well. We'll see how both go. I'm not sure if answers will really emerge this year, but I would
0: expect they'll start. Thanks for the business update, Alex. What about you, Jonathan? Are you excited to be back in San Francisco, or?
2: Yeah, you know, so this will be my second year um, going to JPM. First year was incredible. Um, I did not have access. To the presentations, but this year I will. Which is just looking at the the schedule, it's just astounding the number of presentations. It's like ten presentations simultaneously at ten different time slots per day over four days. It's it's the number of presentations is astounding. So, um, but what I find really uh, fascinating about the the time there is the high concentration of uh, you know CEOs and founders uh, looking to strike some new deals and whatnot and get the name out you know i I kind of focus on things on the opposite end of alex's spectrum in terms of i i go for i cover a lot of the newer companies or companies in early stages of financing and whatnot and A lot of the companies there are looking to, you know, set up important partnerships for the future. And um, there's a few companies that I have slated to meet up with that I've already spoken to this week leading up to it. And I'll be meeting with again there about what they look to do. So then there's people from all sorts of areas. So there's, uh, you know, a company I'm really interested in talking to. Called nano Um, They're in the drug delivery field, and they do. They they've taken advantage of this technology that I covered last year called nano syringes, um, which I, I covered a paper out of Feng Zhang's Zang, group, and it's just super cool technology where people have taken these bacteriophages and turn them into molecular delivery devices so like this went from like nature paper to now a company and and you know it's, it's amazing to see where they're going to be at and um what kind of uh drugs they're going to be trying to deliver with this technology i'm also going to be covering companies in the dna synthesis space I've, I've previously spoken with twist bio and ribbon bio labs but i'm going to be sitting down with a company called Eligen. They claim to create linear DNA up to seven kilobytes. That's NGS uh, verified. And they're in several large uh, discussions with large pharma and are expected to be making some big announcements around JPM. So I'm excited to hear about that. So another company called Artiva out of San Diego, they are producing off the shelf allergenic NK cell therapies at scale they're planning on dosing their first patients in q1 of 2024 so i'm excited to sit down and hearing about with them about that and a bit more about what l-o-n-k brings to the field um you know we, we hear so much about car t that l-o-n-k and off the shelf uh, sorts of drugs up that alley i haven't gotten as much of a spotlight so maybe it'll be a major breakthrough for the for that for that field uh this year but you know my list is jam-packed i think i have 16 meetings right now with different CEOs and we'll be making it to different soirees and presentations. So it's going to be, it's going to be a wild week that I'm looking forward to weather permitting. I heard there's a storm coming in.
0: Certainly a lot of diversity happening at JPM and hopefully not under two extreme conditions yeah. this year. Will either of you, Jonathan or Alex, be attending the first public appearance of the new Illumina CEO? I was planning to, So I know that Illumina is
1: one company whose actual presentations I've been able to cover uh, over the years. This is the first one since Francis de Souza resigned as CEO back in June. So I'll be very curious to see both uh, from a substantive point what the company will say, as well as from a stylistic point, how uh, Jacob Faison uh, differs from Francis de Souza, And have a keen eye. For what it's worth, Illumina's uh, presentation is on Tuesday morning of the conference. For years and years, they've been on the first day, Monday, whether it was in a morning or in an early afternoon time. So that to me is is kind of interesting because I noticed the biggest companies tend to go uh, first in the morning. The mornings, especially Mondays, are dominated by, well, big farmers for, for one. And uh, so see if uh, what difference uh, there is uh, for, uh, Tuesday. I can't wait.
2: One last thing, Faye, you you just brought up a word that I think is really important to think about when going to JPM, which is diversity. Um, I know last year there was a lot of, I don't know if pushback is the right word, but, you know, I will say from my first time of being there, there was a very homogenous population in certain ways, you know, lots of blue suits and not so much by way of diversity. So I know there's been a, a call to bring in um to make it more inclusive and equitable and so we'll see if there's any changes made on that front this year
0: all right thanks alex and jonathan make sure to stay tuned with jen next week on our coverage of jpm shifting to epigenetics and our highlighted interview this week Uduwak, we're looking forward to hearing your interview with alex Aravenis, former cto of illumina and now co-founder and ceo of moonwalk biosciences tell us more about how moonwalk entered the news Yes, absolutely. So as you said, this
3: week, I got to cover a new company, Moonwalk Biosciences, and I had a uh, the opportunity to speak with their CEO, uh, Dr. Alex Aravenis, who, as you mentioned, and I'm sure some of our listeners know, was former CTO at Illumina um, and was also uh, involved with founding uh, Grail, um, which was ultimately acquired by Illumina. But yes, Moonwalk is coming out of finally making a big splash. They're ready to, to ha- start having people know about them and what they're offering. This week, they announced that they had received about $57 million in finance financing from several investors and that those funds are going to be used to develop their underlying technology, uh, which is focused on editing the epigenome, as well as on building a pipeline of epigenetic therapeutics uh, for various, various use cases. Um, As we've already said, uh, the CEO is uh, Dr. Aravanis, but there are also a couple of other very well-known faces um, that this company has on its team, one of whom we've already mentioned uh, on this podcast uh, in a different context. That's Dr. Fong Zhang. Uh, He's the scientific co-founder of the company. And of course, we all know him from his work on CRISPR, uh, as well as from being part of the founding of companies like Editas and, and Bean Therapeutics. So we're, we're obviously going to move to the interview uh, that I had with uh, Dr. Aravanis. I had a chance to talk to him about what he's been doing since he left Illumina. And his efforts have mostly been focused on building um, Moonwalk. We talked a bit about the company's technology, which basically allows them to see all the methylation sites in the, or methylation states, excuse me, in the genome. They can see them both in diseased and healthy contexts. And they have technology that allows them to modify uh, those states. to get the cells to do things that they actually want them to do. I did speak with our guest about potential applications of of their technology and what directions they might want to go in. And he said there's a lot of opportunity. Um, There's a wide range of diseases that are impacted by epigenetic changes. So they're not saying which one specifically they want to focus on, but I imagine that there's other directions that they could take the company as well, and and other opportunities that the such uh such technology could be used. So I, it's definitely a company that I'm interested in seeing seeing what they they will do in future and kind of the directions that they want to go.
4: Uduak, I'm super excited about this interview. I'm so glad that you did it. I mean, I feel like since. Alex left Illumina you know it, every time anytime someone leaves and you kind of wonder what they're what they're jumping into and what their next move is going to be so really excited to hear what he's up to and um the company not a lot of information on the website was there so um really yeah. excited that you got an inside scoop they have some interesting people on their sab just looking through I mean Ed Schoolnick is you know has had an incredibly long tenure at Merck is not expert in drug development and also really famous for his psychiatric work. So um, they also have people in cancer, stem cells, and interestingly, um, Matt Caerline is on their SAB an aging expert. So they have people all over the place, so it'll be fun to watch what what that company's up to.
3: Absolutely. And, and I think that's why uh, in our interview when Dr. Aravana said there's so much opportunity, I think that may be what he might have been alluding to. You know, they have this very diverse team. so there's really a lot of uh, opportunities that they could they could choose to pursue. Um, and obviously, uh, epigenetic editing, there are a few other players in the space. So it'll be interesting to see just in general, how this field shakes out as the technologies develop as the first therapeutics or, or treatments or other, other products start to come to market. I think we'll, we'll see some really great things.
0: We're excited to hear the full interview after this quick break.
5: This episode of Touching Base is brought to you by Gen Biotechnology, the marquee peer review journal from the publishers of Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News. Launched two years ago, Gen Biotechnology publishes exceptional research, reviews, opinion, and analysis across the biotech spectrum, from genomics and symbio to AI and drug development. The journal features an outstanding editorial team, which is led by chief editor Hannah El-Samad, senior VP at Altos Labs in California. Gem Biotechnology has already published exciting original research on gene editing to boost vitamin D tomatoes, CRISPR-based pest control, base editing delivery in a single AAV vector, and cost-effective 3D printing. Plus, Gem Biotechnology has featured exclusive interviews with biotech CEOs, insights from Wall Street financial analysts, and news features from GEM reporters covering the state of aging research, AI and protein design, and advances in organ-on-chips. GEM Biotechnology is the new choice for novel and groundbreaking advances in the biotech field. Learn more at www.gembiotechjournal.com.
0: Welcome back to Touching Base, the new podcast series from Jen. In this segment, Uduak Thomas chatted with Alex Aravenis, co-founder and CEO of Moonwalk Biosciences, on what to expect from the new epigenetic engineering company. Let's tune in.
3: All right, Alex, thank you so much for for speaking with me today. I appreciate you being here.
6: Yeah, my pleasure to be here and, uh, and tell you about Moonwalk.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have quite a number of questions. I'll just go right ahead and, and get started. Actually, curious, what have you been up to since you left Illumina?
6: Yeah, well, so I've been working on this new company, Moonwalk. So left Illumina in August and uh, been working on Moonwalk for most of that time, yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And can I ask why? Because obviously, Moonwalk, we're going to talk a little bit about what the company does. And it's quite different from what Illumina Illumina did. So can I ask um, why this was the right time to move on? And then following up, talk about why this was a good space. Epigenetic editing was a good space for you to move into.
6: You know, I spent the last 10 years uh, of my career creating tools and diagnostics and assays and working with drug development companies to really take advantage of the power of the genome to be able to see it in all of its diversity as it relates to biology and and disease, and then use that information for a variety of of things to, you know, in human health. So diagnostics and therapeutics. So for me, I was excited about, you know, taking all of that background in in technology development, diagnostics, clinical development, and applying it to an application that leveraged the ability to see, you know, Complex biology, and so um, Moonwalk is very much that.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. So, as as you've already already mentioned today, we're we're talking about the new company that that you're launching along with your co-founders called Moonwalk Biosciences, and you know we've talked about it focusing on uh, epigenetics. So let's let's talk a little bit about the company. Tell us about who you are as a company and and what you'll be offering.
6: Yeah, we're a we have a platform technology we call it epigenome engineering. And um, there's two key components to it. There's a, let's call it a read component, which allows us to see the epigenome, in particular, all of the methylation states in the genome. And we can see this at a single gene, single cell level. So there's about 28 million positions, right? So there's 3 billion positions, or 3 billion bases in the human genome. There's about 28 million sites, um, well-defined sites that can either be methylated or not methylated and we have a really precise high-resolution technology that allows us to see that. And then we can look at those methylation states in both a healthy state and a disease state, and then we can predict, well, which um, of these methylation states are potentially related to being in the disease state versus the healthy state. And then we also have a right technology, which comes from my co-founder Feng Zhang at the Broad, um, which allows us to then modify the uh, the epigenome, in particular, the methylation states. So we have this unique ability to fully see the epigenome and then the ability to modify it. Um, and, and as you know, there's been a, a lot of evidence um, mounting over the years about the importance of the epigenome in, in health and disease. The genome itself is the same in most cells, right? So it's literally the exact same code. So, but But cells are very different different types of cells and neurons different than a heart cell. And also, um, you know, obviously cells change a lot as, uh, as we age and as they develop pathologies, right? And that's reflected in the epigenome. And a lot of that is actually causal in the epigenome, meaning the epigenome is kind of the root cause of that. So it's a very appealing concept to be able to kind of see this root level changes in the epigenome and then have a technology to modify it and then develop therapeutics based on it.
3: Thank you. That's very interesting. And I'm I'm good, we're gonna dig a little bit more into sort of the go to market uh strategy in, in a in a couple of questions. But I actually wanted to back up a little bit and ask about the name of the company. Where did that oh, sure. come from? Is you know, do you have any Neil Armstrong or Michael Jackson fans <laughs> on leadership? Um
6: we actually hit on both. So there's a couple of meanings. Uh you, you you alluded to both of them. So one is yes, the the moonshot and doing something big and bold and putting a person on the moon. But then there's another meaning which actually relates to to epigenetics. And that is this concept of sometimes to move forward, you have to move backwards, right? And so if you think about, again, having the epigenome state in a healthy state and a disease state, to some extent, what you want to do is reverse that epigenome state and see if you can regain the lost function or reverse The disease and so um we like that analogy to the to the dance move where you know you know you're actually you're trying to move forward but you're actually moving backwards right and so um we like that kind of artistic analogy and um i don't think michael jackson invented it but i I think he certainly popularized it yeah
2: absolutely absolutely
3: interesting all right. So if I understood uh, your explanation uh, correctly, it sounds there's, there's sort of two components that we're, we're talking about with Moonwalk. So one is the being able to look at the epigenome or sort of analyze the, the epigenome and develop therapies as well that edit the epigenome. So I guess, talk to me a little bit about how you want to go to market. Is the plan to offer the technology as sort of some sort of partnership basis or is the plan to market therapies that are developed based on the technology that you have in house?
6: Yeah, great question. So we're a therapeutics company. So our aim is to make therapeutics and develop them, you know, both preclinically and then do clinical trials um, and ultimately bring them to patients. So uh, straightforward in 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 that sense.
3: Absolutely. And why is that the the business model you decided to go with?
6: Having developed platform technologies during a lot of my career, when you have a, a kind of a very specific Product in mind, I think it helps you develop the platform in a way that's most useful and relevant. And so, what you know, you know, there's certainly other ways to do it, and people who have been very successful doing that. But to just develop kind of a, a technology platform with a lot of generic capabilities, and then just partner around that. Again, people are certainly have successful businesses doing that. I prefer the one where you have a, a very particular kind of product or application, because then I think it helps you kind of think through really how to make the platform useful. And then, um, and then when you do that for your own products, there's certainly also opportunities to partner the platform for others. And I also think in that case, it, it makes it more useful to them because you know what it takes to, to actually go all the way to, um, in this case, uh, a medicine. But in the past, I've made diagnostics. And uh, again, um, you know, when you partner with people and you've taken the platform the whole way, I think it's really useful to them also
3: yeah absolutely. so in in sort of launching this company and moving forward, you've you've put together quite an impressive team of co-founders and and i'm I assume you're still I'm sure you're still building the team out. And obviously, one of the folks you have uh, working with you on this is Dr. Fong Zhang from you know the Broad, who of course is very well known for his his work in in CRISPR. Um, and I guess I'm curious, how did the two of you get connected and 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 link up? How did this team come together?
6: Another great question. So, uh, so so, Fung and I, um, we, we go way back. We were um, in the same lab at Stanford over 20 years ago now. He was a grad student, I was a postdoc in Carl Deisseraw's lab, and we worked together developing a technique called optogenetics, which ended up being really important in the field and really useful in the field of neuroscience. And then, you know, we, we went our separate ways and developed our careers, but we've always been colleagues and, and friends. And as I became more interested in the epigenome and the ability to, to use technology to see it at an unprecedented resolution. And then, you know, naturally it came, well, if we really wanted to use this information in a the therapeutic sense, you know, directly modifying the epigenome ver- versus doing it in a direct way, again, um, could potentially be more powerful, right? So that's when I began to talk with Fung about the technologies out there. And, you know, as, as is often the case with fung. He was, he's been involved in um, perhaps one of the earliest inventors of this concept of, of modifying the epigenome directly. Going back about 10 years, he has papers and, and IP where he, you know, he demonstrated this contact concept of, say, using a DNA binding domain to um, identify a particular region of the genome and then you know, fuse it to um, what we call an infector enzyme, like a methyltransferase, yeah. that could then methylate or demethylate so some of the earliest demonstrations of that so it was really natural scientifically to to work with him on this project and that was a great delight given that you know we we've been friends and colleagues for a long, long time
3: yeah so this week, uh, you've announced, well, I think this is officially Moonwalk's first outing, um, letting people know that the company is is open. And you've raised um, $57 million in financing from, from a wide range of uh, investors. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on your plans for those funds?
6: Yeah. So we've been in uh, seed stage up till now. And that was really to develop the fundamental technology platform, this read and write capability, we did some key demonstrations and some in and some important model systems and, and some uh, important early in, in concepts of early clinical indications. And we were really excited about the results, which is why we thought it made sense to now raise money and, and really develop this into a company that could develop clinical programs. And we found a group of investors who were excited to do that with us. Um, the next stage of the company is to build out the, the capabilities to do that. So, um, still a small team today. There's some key roles that we're going to need to fill in and, and, and scientific and, and, and medical aspects of the company, kind of down select to the few areas where we really want to focus, where we think um, they're the best first applications of the technology, where we can make a big impact in a big unmet need, where there's a big benefit to, to harm ratio, and that it's very tractable from a clinical development standpoint. And where we'd really like to be in these, in these, with these funds over the next two to three years is, you know, close to, if not uh, filing an IND for our um, first moonwalk therapeutic.
3: Wonderful, wonderful. And actually, sort of following up on that question, would you, are you disclosing today um, what particular disease areas or targets you want to, or you see first applications for your technology?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's too early to do that. We have more work to do over this year to um, to understand, again, where the technology can make the biggest impact initially. You know, what's exciting is that the epigenome and epigenetic changes are are relevant in pretty much any disease, right? If you think about cancer and heart disease, um, metabolic disease, neurodegenerative they have huge epigenetic changes associated with them, right? So there's lots of targets and and lots of indications, right? So kind of world is our oyster, but we need to be very thoughtful about what are the first ones that uh, we really want to focus on. Yeah,
3: Yeah, but it, it sounded from what you said earlier, the hope is that maybe as soon as, obviously this is speculation a little bit, but as soon as 2026, we might start to see some some potential uh, therapy starting to move in the clinical trials direction?
6: That is our goal, yes.
3: Yeah, okay, wonderful. So obviously there are other companies uh, in the space that are looking at uh, epigenetic editing as and sort of building businesses around that. So companies like Chroma and uh, Tune. I guess, how will Moonwalk be different from them?
6: I think whenever you're in a new area developing technologies, it's always um, you always want to have other great folks working there, great scientists, great academics, great companies, right? And so I'm glad that there's a small cohort of, of really high quality individuals because there's so much opportunity and there's such a huge unmet need, and you know many diseases we don't have good treatments for. So um, I have huge respect for them and glad. I think that what we're doing is distinct in a in a couple ways. So one is. We have tremendous expertise in, as I said, kind of reading out the epigenome and and seeing it. Um, So myself and and one of the other co-founders, Arash Jamshidi, we were involved in a study published in Nature early last year, which was the first methylation atlas of the the human methylome, you know, and what that was is in most of the major cell types in the body, we characterize the actual methylation state at all 28 million positions. So previous to that, there have been studies of parts of the, the methylome, little bits of it, or maybe in one or two cell types, but this comprehensive understanding of what are the methylation states and all the different cell types just hadn't occurred. So it's actually pretty recent, that work. So that ability to not just see, say, the exome, which is about 1% of the genome, but actually see the other 99%, and also the ability to analyze that data and predict which of these complex methylation patterns are going to be, say, the most related to biology. I think that's something we're, we're pretty good at, if not the best in the world at. I think that gives us, again, the ability to understand how the editing technologies are really affecting them, how to modify them, and what are some of the best targets.
3: Excellent. So, obviously, there's a lot of excitement around gene editing gene editing therapies, excuse me, you know, sort of as a whole. Um and of course, with that excitement does come some concerns of you know risks of things going wrong, off target effects and so on and so forth. Are there specific concerns about uh, epigenetic editing therapies more more generally, and how does Moonwalk plan to allay or alleviate those uh, concerns?
6: So actually, one of the things that we're excited about, and I think the field is, is the potential for a better or um, a really good safety profile for modifying the epigenome and and in particular methylation, right? So the way that we're activating genes or suppressing them is through methylating or demethylating particular targets to, to again, suppress a gene that's causing disease or activating a gene if a protein is missing and and that's kind of the, the cause of the disease. But we're, the way we're doing it, though, again, is is not by cutting the DNA or nicking the DNA. We're doing it by this chemical modification, which allows the DNA to to be transcribed. The benefit of that is that we're not in we're not getting some of the kind of what's often called genome toxicity or genotoxicity that you see with genome editing techniques, where with when you're making double-stranded breaks to insert DNA or even nicks in the DNA you still get some degree of insertions or deletions of, of DNA in an unintended and undesirable way. And you can also get structural changes where large pieces of DNA kind of end up in other parts of the of the chromosome in some cells. And again, there's potential harm can be caused by that if, you know, those changes say, cause a cell to grow abnormally or, or to function abnormally. So all things being equal, you'd really not like to be doing those kind of unintended changes caused by cutting the, uh, the DNA. And so what we've seen in our hands is that we don't get any of those changes. So again, you'd expect it first principle, since we're just chemically modifying the DNA, we're not cutting it, but indeed when we do very um, detailed rigorous assays, we don't see any of these this genotoxicity that's been seen with other methods. So that's a really um, exciting feature to it. Another feature is the the durability of it. And I think maybe this is something that's surprised people, but the initial data really suggests that once you make these methylation changes, they can stay for a long time, um, perhaps years, perhaps indefinitely. So the potential for kind of single treatments uh, certainly exists. And so what we've seen is in, for example, T-cells, we'll make an epigenetic modification, say methylate and suppress a gene or unmethylate and activate a gene. And we'll see, you know, months later, after 100 cell divisions, the distant daughter cell still has those same methylation changes. And so what's happening is they're being replicated just like the genetic code. Um, That makes sense because if you think about it, when a cell divides, why does the cell continue to be the same type of cell? And it's, again, it's not the the genetic code, which is the same in all cell types. It's that the methylation patterns are are literally being copied into the new DNA templates, or into the new DNA strands.
3: Excellent. I just have one final question. Um, So we talked a little bit about the goals for starting, hopefully getting something to the clinical phase, maybe in the next uh, few years, but looking even further out five to 10 years from now, where do you hope Moonwalk will be?
6: So, so one thing that I think is, is exciting about the, the technology is the ability to modify multiple sites. So there's lots of individual targets in single genes that uh, we think there's a big benefit to say, reactivating or suppressing them uh, to, to reverse disease. Or... But if you think about many complex processes in, involved in, in things like aging or loss of cell function, Um, there's often many sites involved. And what we know now is that there's many epigenetic changes. And so because the technology is very efficient, something we didn't highlight because it's not cutting the DNA, we can do many targets simultaneously. Because we're not introducing the, the DNA damage and genotoxicity, that also makes it more natural to do multiple targets. That would be hard to do with other methods where you would build up kind of you know, mul- multiple kind of genomic insults over time, which, um, which you know, which would kind of prohibit the number of sites you could modify. So when I think about this over time, kind of really complex biology that where you really want to say, like kind of reprogram things by making multiple changes, I think ultimately as we get good at using this technology, that could be possible.
3: Excellent, excellent. Alex, it's been really great chatting with you. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today.
6: My pleasure. Hope we can chat again in the future. Thanks for this opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. That's a wrap for this week's episode of Touching Base. Make sure to watch Jen next week for our coverage of the JPM conference. On behalf of the editorial team at Jen, I'm Faye Lin. We'll see you next time.